Welcome to Adequately Nerdy, a podcast where my husband and I talk about all the things that we nerd out over. My name is Kate. And I'm Joe. And today we wanted to talk a little bit about one of our favorite things in the world, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, I think we need to give a little bit of a backstory here first. Sure, sure. So Kate and I are actually relatively new to Dungeons and Dragons. There were a lot of people who have grown up with it, who had played with their parents or played with friends and stuff like that. I mean, you see the popularity of it has really exploded recently, especially from things like Stranger Things sure. and a couple other things that have really brought Dungeons and Dragons into the mainstream. So it was around in the 80s, right? It was created in the early 80s. So but you're right. 80s, yeah. We've we've kind of found this reemergence of it in recent pop culture. Mm-hmm. Yep. And for us... The introduction for Dungeons and Dragons were some of Kate's friends that she made when she was teaching in Korea. Mm-hmm. When I was introduced to them and we we met and had a good conversation and they were like, hey, you know what? We're really into D&D. This seems like something you guys would like. You guys are pretty nerdy. And we're like, yeah, we, <laughs> I mean, we both had thoughts about maybe wanting to do something, but haven't really looked into it at all. Right. And so we're like, all right, yeah, we're, we're down. We'll play. And they helped guide us along through these first few steps, mm-hmm. building a character and getting stuff ready. And then we started doing our own little searches and research. And Kate one day stumbled upon a little YouTube cha- or YouTube show mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from Geek it was and Sundry. On, it was on Geek and Sundry, yep. Called Critical Role. As soon as we, as soon as we found Critical Role, that's when the obsession began. Yeah, I would say it was more of like a a mild interest, you know, a, an interesting yeah. thing that we do from time to time. And, oh, isn't this fun that we, you know, play pretend and we roll dice? And then I started watching Critical Role. And when I say I started watching Critical Role, I mean, the episodes are between like three and a half and five hours. And you're yeah, just depending. watching people sit around a table, play Dungeons and Dragons and their voice actors. And it's amazing. And we'll talk about them in a little bit yeah, more detail later. They are going to have a, a whole show dedicated just right. to Critical Role because but, it really is that good. And like I said, when we say that we were dabbling and then it became obsession, I think I watched probably the first 20 episodes or so. In like three weeks. Yeah, it was quick. I mean, it was it was pretty much nonstop. It was the first thing I did when I got home and I watched until I fell asleep. And yeah. then I got up and I went to work and then I came home and I watched until I fell asleep. And I would knock out an episode and a half a day. Oh, yeah. And, and then the thing was, too, this evolved then for ourselves because it started off as us playing with one of our friends as mm-hmm. the DM. Yep. It was mostly through online because they were all spread out through the world sure <laughs> we've got we've got friends in the uk and hawaii still in korea and all over the place and they evolved from there to having this one game that we played online every once in a while when schedules are free to what i think at one point you had four games rolling at once i had yes. three mm-hmm. and we were a lot of face-to-face games were going on we were getting we were meeting new people we met Brand new best friends yeah. because we were just talking Dungeons and Dragons. They're like, hey, you know what? We really wanted to start something. Would you want to join us? And yeah. we're like, yeah. I mean, these were people, these were complete strangers <laughs> that we had met and that we know now very well because of Dungeons and Dragons. Right. The great unifier, the great uh, bringer together of nerds that is <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons. And for, for those of you that don't know about it, let me just give you a quick one sentence description of okay. what is D&D. And this is how it was pitched to me when my uh, my friends in Korea were like, oh, we play Dungeons and Dragons sometimes. It is a cross between math, 
imagination and creative writing. And that's that's very much what it is to me. It's almost like yeah. maybe with acting thrown put, in there. I think acting was thrown in there as well. I'd, I'd bring math down a few notches personally. I mean, you I have mean there's to add math, a little is, bit. math is definitely involved. Sure. And it's important. But I feel like the the like, at least I mean granted this is also my perspective and D&D everyone's going to have their own unique mm-hmm, perspective. Mm-hmm. But I think the storytelling is definitely the more interesting part for me. Sure. It's like everyone who's ever loved a choose your own adventure book except yeah. you actually are a character and you <laughs> get to be that character and decide if your character's really really stupid and it just walks into rooms without checking to see if there's you know tnt on the other side of that or say really dumb things to very powerful people and get burned to a crisp there's you know not that any of those things have ever happened to us in our campaigns i mean it's to the point where i started a club at my school and i i play with middle school students now and we started off at a very meager like three, and now we've got like thirteen, which is pretty good. Yeah, for, I mean, for a smaller school like that, I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, so it's you wouldn't see that in my high school. Yeah, I would have <laughs> loved it so much when I was a kid, and yeah. that's what I'm really glad to see to see my kids about. But enough about me. No, no. Today we have a a very a very special story that we wanted to to share with you all. Yeah. Uh, Joe is a remarkable DM. He plays I... with a. I wouldn't go that far. It was I would. it was a few months ago. I had, you know, we've been playing for at that point about 2 years mm-hmm. and I wanted to to dip my toe in the DM pool. <laughs> sure. And cuz it, it was something that I thought was very interesting. And Kate came up with an opportunity of she had a friend of hers, a teacher, mm-hmm. and their family was like, "Hey, we want to do a one-off D&D. Why don't you DM?" And I'm like, "All right." So I went on, I found some pre-written one shots and everything just because i'm like i just practicing so i'm finding these things that are already written Mm -hmm. and it worked out really well it was nice i got to experiment and again i wasn't great at first of course because anytime you start something you're not going to be great immediately sure it takes practice of course and so we did that one shot and then they were like, hey, let's do this again. And so mm-hmm. we scheduled another day. I had to find another one shot, um, <laughs> which luckily was a was a pretty popular one called The Minds of Madness. Yeah, that um, was good. That was, was a, really a great day. One. And it actually ended up being two uh, two separate sessions instead mm-hmm. of a one shot, mm-hmm. which really worked out well. Again, that was all pre-written, so it was pretty simple for me as a DM. I mean, it still wasn't easy, but as a DM trying to write something from scratch mm-hmm. is a lot more than using stuff that's already moduled out. Sure. And it's, I think one of the challenging things for, for some DMs, and I've had, you know, a very small amount of experience with it myself, that you have some DMs that are very into the logistics and very into the battles and very into the making sure that the rules are followed perfectly step by step of the way and creating the right level of difficulty. And then you also have some DMs that are a little more focused on content and exposition and detailed descriptions. So I feel like when you which I found out, of course, after the fact, when you were finding these Minds of Madness and these pre-written things, they had a lot of the logistics planned out, Mm -hmm. but you got to add your own flair to it, which is what we as a group and as an adventuring party really responded to the most strongly. Yeah, and I I agree with that too. And I also know that after we did these and everyone wanted to continue on Mm -hmm. doing more, I decided let's just keep going with what we're at. So, I mean, these were already higher level players Mm because we had started them up higher so that they could actually not immediately die in the minds of madness <laughs> sure sure just close a couple times i mean what are giant purple worms for except right. for eating people 
So I started, I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to write some stuff from scratch. Because uh, at that time, I was like, hey, it, that's that's easy, right? Just completely <laughs> writing a whole storyline from scratch. But at the same time, I'm not looking to create, like, a giant epic mm. or anything like that. I'm not building, Hadn't I haven't put in the time to build this massive world out completely. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it, you, you can tell whenever we're playing that I'm not, <laughs> it's not completely structured. I'm making it up on the fly a mm-hmm. lot of the times sometimes you can tell yeah well i you probably can tell sometimes you can tell <laughs> and i'll just leave it there and then but there are certain story points that i really want to try to hit right and again i can only you can only lead them certain ways you don't want to put the whole storyline on rails and so i try to guide them in certain things and we found ourselves actually camping with this family a few weeks ago mm-hmm. and in real in real life in real life in real life and I didn't really prep anything for their actual storyline. So I wanted to just do sort of like a one-off fun thing. Mm-hmm. And I had a, a kind of an idea of what I wanted to do, but I didn't really detail it out too much. Sure. Which, of course, as a DM, it's not smart. <laughs> it's not a good move. I do not advise doing this. Just wing it. It's fine. Don't worry about yeah, it. it's terrible. Yeah, don't do that. So, I mean, I gave myself some time while we started playing. So we went... They were. They had actually just rescued their, rescued a Pegasus from being mm-hmm. corrupted by evil and all that stuff. Sure. And they As were. You do. Yeah. And they were traveling through the woods to a ma- to a major city that they all know. And so to give myself some more time, I just threw a quick encounter at them in the middle of the night. Just a whole bunch of bugbears. No, sir. Owl bears. Owl bears. Yeah, it wasn't cool, bugbears. Cool. It was owl bears. bears. Um, One of my favorite D&D creatures yeah. because it's just this ferocious bear with the face of an owl and also feathers. Yeah. I just, I love owl ex- bears. It's They're exactly great. as it's described yeah. by the name. It yeah. is an owl and a bear. Yep. So I threw a bunch at them and it actually, it was actually a pretty good fight. There was yeah, a, it was close. Yeah. And as they were doing that, it allowed me to then sort of structure how I wanted their time in the city to go. Mm-hmm. So whenever this group got to the city, they noticed that there was a big line at the entrance, something mm-hmm. that w- that's unique to the city. The city just usually has a flow of people in and out pretty quick. Sure. And as they get up there, they notice that this this line is due to the guards taking weapons away from people. Mm-hmm. And so as they get to the first front of the line, they get to meet their first NPC of the of the session. Mm-hmm. Of course, sounded a little like this. Oh, hello there. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> yep. And he was asking for their weapons mm-hmm. and they they all actually I was surprised by this. I thought they were going to fight over this a lot more, but they were just like, oh, "Okay, here you go." Just to clarify, just to clarify, I my character was a a half-orc, a half-orc fighter and didn't particularly feel like giving up her weapons, but also didn't feel like causing a ruckus before we even got into the city. Just okay. just to clarify, all right, just to clarify, <laughs> for those of you who are like, why would you do that? Obviously, that's a trap. My my lady can, can handle herself. The other people, not so much, but I can handle myself. You guys did ask questions from people in the crowd, mm-hmm. and everyone was saying, yeah, it's a new thing, but it's everyone was very positive about it. They mm-hmm. were all very much like, yeah, it's this new thing, but... I've been a merchant here for 10 years and this is the first time I felt safe and stuff mm. like that. So people were leading you into to being fine with giving your weapons up. Sure. So we get into the city. Yep. Get yep. in the city. And then uh, Kate's character 
is the, the most familiar with this city. Yeah. And she leads them to what is supposed to be more the more dangerous part. Because this is where, like, she grew up. Well, I didn't really grow up, but you visited. Kind of. So she and... she was like a, she's an urchin. She was a, a literally a street fighter. Yep. Um, please don't sue us. Namco, whoever owns the video game. It was a situation where she was compelled to do this. This is how she fought for a living. Bare knuckle boxing type style. So she knew the slums. She knew yep. the ins and outs of the city. And so Ovak intended it's my character um intended to go to these places to try to figure out what's the deal what's been going on haven't get been the, back in a few all years sure all of her sources yeah and she leads the the group to a tavern that she knows well that, that has an inn and she's like you guys get rooms i gotta go check things out i'll be right back yeah so the group goes in and they get to meet their bartender their second npc mm-hmm. which goes oh hello there I think that might have been a little bit of a red flag, but I don't know. They didn't seem to catch on. We just thought Joe wasn't good at accents. Oh, well, that's also very accurate. And then as Ovak... Little did we know. As Ovak then goes down in to check her old haunts and everything, she meets some of her crew, and they are all completely different people. Yeah. Their personalities have changed from being the gruff, mean you know, angry group to being cheerful, having new careers and wanting to actually pay taxes and be a part of the community. So like the, uh, I think one of my favorite parts is when I first go down there and I find the the fighting pits, essentially, which is where Ovak made a name for herself, has been turned into a co-op garden, (laughs) I think was maybe my favorite part. And I go down there, right, and I see the the people that I uh, used to fight and used to beat me up for a living and we'd trade blows and exchange money and whatnot, gardening, pulling up carrots, you know. Comparing their crops to one another, as you do, apparently. The old bookie is now just likes to cook. Sure. He's telling me about his rosemary recipes and how everything's very fragrant now. And, oh, it's been so long. It's so lovely to see you. Tries to hug me. I punch him in the face. You know, Ovak does what she's got to do. So I think with these very subtle red flags that I threw into this, they they started to realize something's fishy. Something's fishy. Hmm. Um, Hmm. Their wizard of the group, Talia, decides to do a detect magic and gets flooded. Realizes that there is magic everywhere. Hmm. It's just almost just getting blinded with how much magic is in the air. As they converse with more people and everything, they learn of this weird, suspicious tower that has grown up in the middle of the city. Was they not there one day and suddenly there the next day? Yeah. Huh, interesting. That might be something you want to check out. Yeah. And so they go up there and they see it guarded mm-hmm. by two guards mm-hmm. and introduced in the the common way of, oh, hello there. Yeah. And after being very clever and saying, oh, we have a meeting with someone in there, they're like, oh, yeah, come on in. Sure. Because yeah. obviously they, they have now discovered that these guards aren't particularly smart. Apparently having some sort of enchantment or something on them has made them very cheerful, but rather dumb. Mm. And it took them actually surprisingly a long time to figure that out, but they got it figured out pretty well. Eh. We were We were more disturbed by like... Why is this garden here? What happened to all of the people that beat uh, I beat up and had all of the money from and blah, blah, blah. So. Yeah. And then as the, the group starts to make their way in this tower, we had our uh, archer fighter mm. who is, he tends to be like the, a, the bit of a grump and he always like questions <laughs> everything and stuff like that. Sure. 
um, the character, not the human being. Eh, a little bit the human being. <laughs> and he was like, you know, you know what? I'm going to go back and get my weapon. He's like, uh, we're not we're not just going to go Screw explore. Screw this. Yeah. And so everyone's <laughs> like, going in here by like, myself. Everyone's like arguing with him. Like, no, let's just go and check it out. It'll be fine. Yeah, split the party. That's a great yeah. idea. Never goes badly ever. And he's like, no, I need my bow. <laughs> or he's like, he's basically saying he's useless without his bow. And so he goes and he discovers at the same time that the guards are pretty stupid. He leaves he the city. He just takes his stuff, which of course the rest of us, you know, which of course we're not supposed to have heard this, but the rest of us are just, oh man, you mean that was an option? We could have just <laughs> gone through it. And and Joe as the DM's just like, well, you guys never tried, so yeah. I guess not. Damn it. Yeah, so I mean, he, he literally hides his bow down his pant leg yep. and like mm-hmm. walks in with this limp <laughs> into the front. Very of John the Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> very like bow-legged yeah and they're like the guards are like oh do you have any weapons he's like nope and he's like okay see ya (laughs) and that was it it didn't take i mean they had to make a a roll but it wasn't much of a dc on that yeah gotta gotta love the guards there and miss those guys but the rest of the group have found themselves inside this this tower they found themselves in a very just completely black room with a few torches Mm -hmm. completely empty pretty large with only a spiral staircase sitting right in the center. Mm-hmm. And looking straight up, it looks like it's just going right into the ceiling. And it's very creepy, very getting weird vibes from it. But they trudge on. They go. Right. And so so what does Ovak do? Yep. Right on up. I guess I'm going up because my intelligence isn't super high. <laughs> well, I think it was actually more Raxlow is the one that was really just pushing everyone. Because he's very much just head forward. That's our, our, our gnome druid yeah. who is very argumentative and doesn't particularly like anybody else. And nobody particularly likes him, but we kind of tolerate each other because we have to. Yeah. yeah he's just like, I'm going. And the rest of us are like, all right, well, I guess we're going to, we go yeah. on up. And so yeah, they finally get up to the the top and they, they see that this, the whole ceiling is basically this mirrored surface and they're trying to figure it out. And after a few rolls, I think actually Ovak figures out, how to open up the ceiling to get everyone in. Mm, yep. They get up to the next floor. And of course, this top half of this is pure white. Mm-hmm. Still some more torches and everything. And they see this tall stone throne down at one end mm-hmm. with this beautiful elf woman mm-hmm. sitting there and just like almost anticipating them, waiting for them to come up. Very much like half expecting to her to be holding like a white fluffy cat yeah. just saying hello i've been waiting for you uh, not exactly like that but that's what i mentally pictured pretty close so they're waiting uh vega which is kind of like the den mother of the group she's our uh, elf ranger yep. yep she's decided to to tell everyone to be like all right we gotta we gotta relax we gotta check out see what's going on trying to get people on the same page and ovak runs up and punches the elf you know, Ovak's got to do what she's got to do. Yeah. This is how she solves problems. Finding out that the elf and the stone is all an illusion yep, and of everything course. like that. Mm-hmm. And they end up hearing this disembodied voice telling, basically doing the, the bad guy speech, the villain speech at the monologue. end of the Monologue! Yeah. Always get them monologuing. <laughs> Letting them know that like the whole point of this tower and what she was doing was she was just sucking all of the evil and hatred and anger out of the city using all of the sinister magics mm-hmm. and pulling everything out of the the city so and just enchanting everyone and then just condensing that into one beast and so this is when kate out of the game immediately knew what was going on yes 
because <laughs> Kate and Joe, you and I have had this conversation several times, several times yeah. and I knew where he was coming before he even said it. Yep. So I'm having, you, it's almost, you can see like these beams of light going and glowing brighter and brighter, just all this anger, hatred, violence sucked into one beast. Mm-hmm. And the whole party is like in anticipation about what's going to happen. Yep. And Everybody else is thinking Tarrasque oh, or yeah. Dinosaur or Horde of Bees or something like that. And I'm like, oh, no. Now, I know what's coming. What comes out is this loud honk. Oh, ow. Sorry, headphone users. And it is a giant Canadian goose. Yes. Because as many people know mm. that the Canadian goose is all of the hatred and anger of Canada condensed into one animal. <laughs> because the Canadian people, every single Canadian person that I've met is so lovely and they're so they're so kind. I knew quite a few Canadians when I was living in Korea and they're all lovely and they're all just fantastic human beings and they're so kind. And yet Canadian geese are the worst. I just I they hate them are, all. They're terrible. They're mean. I hate them so they're much. Just mean. They're mean. They're bad. I've seen them chase people. I've been chased by a Canadian goose. They're loud. I just, I hate everything about them. Yep. So this, this turned into a pretty big epic battle because like no one had their weapons. The Mm -hmm. magic users could still be doing some magics, getting a couple of blocks and stuff from what then was later revealed that it was a drow that was. The uh, elf was a drow. Yeah. yeah. A drow. Drow sorcerer. Mm -hmm. Or sorceress. And they were trying to do this like i mean ovox running up and punching a goose in the beak i got to punch a goose in the (laughs) face it was awesome it was everything that ovox has ever wanted in her whole Uh, life and eventually thoradan the archer fighter he Mm -hmm. finally makes because again he went back so he was still behind right he He didn't come up until halfway through the battle (laughs) (laughs) like vega's like jumped on the back and is trying to like wrestle this giant goose and yeah it's it's taken a few rounds but they're getting a lot of hits in Oh yeah, I got I got a critical hit. A yeah, I got a critical hit a critical on the goose on the goose head. Yeah, yeah, it was great. And finally, it took it took a few, but they finally were able to bring down the this monstrosity of a goose. Hmm. Balance was restored. Yeah, well, maybe you guys maybe. you guys haven't found out what's going oh, on no. yet. You guys are still stuck in the top floor. To be continued. Um, and they were going to try to chase down the drow that mm-hmm. had escaped. Somehow, you guys right. don't know how she escaped yet, yep. but that was sort of the most fun I had completely making up a story on the fly. Yeah. And I just, for whatever reason, that is like D&D funness right there, is mm-hmm. just making it up, going along. I've had to make up a couple other times where it just did not go that well. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I had everyone nice on the edge of their seats. Everything was going pretty well. And that's, I mean, again, it just... It is the perfect anecdote to describe why we both love D&D so much. It's it's such a cool opportunity to hang out with your friends. There's oh, yeah. an element of luck. There's an element of strategy. You have to be very creative. You have to be able to put yourself into the headspace of this other character and what would they be doing and things like that. Trying to figure out maybe what's going on, but of course not being able to know what i as joe's wife know yeah and knowing his his theories on canada and versus ovak who's kind of a dum-dum uh but really likes to punch things in the head and not letting 
my knowledge influence her knowledge and her actions. Right. Which is, it's really difficult and that can be kind of challenging, but I mean, ultimately Dungeons and Dragons is just, it's so much fun. I try to bring it so much to, to everybody that I know, which of course most of my friends are like, all right, we get it. You can, you can stop now. I mean, obviously there are going to be future discussions about all kinds of D and D things. So many. We've got plans. Well, we hope you learned something from today's podcast. If you want to suggest a future topic or just say hi, head to adequatelynerdy.com. There you can also find links to our Twitter and Instagram feeds. But, you know, sorry. But until yeah, next we're, time. We're still working on the uh, on the whole social media front. Yeah. Until next time, stay nerdy.